Remain standing, take your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. We're going to go right to chapter 1 and verse 1. At the onset of uh, this, I, I can't think of a, a real good title for the sermon series just yet, but so I'm calling it Studies in Ezekiel. Maybe I'll come up with a good title and make it all cute so we can hashtag it and get more people to look at it, but whatever, I'm just saying. You know, they say, it's amazing, when I have, when I have sort of cute, maybe I should say it differently, more of a catchy title, then more people go and listen to the message. So even some of the messages to me that are stronger and have had more impact, and I know that from people's feedback to me in the church, they don't get listened to as well as ones that had a great or a, uh, a catchy title to it. So there's those of you that'll hear, and hopefully you'll be listening and, um, and taking notes. We do have notes for you. And then there's those that are online, and then there's those that listen later. A lot, lot of folks listen later. We've got pastors and people across the nation that listen. And sometimes, you know, we've got people that track, and they're not going to miss any message that comes off of this pulpit, and we're grateful for that. I understand resourcing yourself, and it's wonderful. But then there's those that look and go, oh, that, that's going to catch my interest, and they'll listen to it. So hopefully I can come up with something more catchy than studies in Ezekiel. But I will say that Ezekiel is an absolutely profound book and uh, I do believe that this message as I teach and preach to you is going to impact and touch and change your life. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 1. Are you ready? In the 13th year, the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles at the Kibar River, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. The fifth of the month. It was the fifth year, exile, King Jehoiachin. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was upon him. Verse 4. I looked and saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead, and they did not turn as they moved. Verse 10, their faces looked like this. Everybody say, look like this. Look like this. Okay. Each had four and the face of a human being, and on the right side of each had a face of a lion. On the left the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They had two wings spreading out upward, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two wings, each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead, 
Whenever the Spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. Whoa. Verse 15. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their arm, their, pardon me, their rims were high and awesome. And all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels moved beside them moved. The wheels beside them moved, pardon me. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Verse 20. Whenever the Spirit would go, they would go. You know, you should read verse 20 with me. Ready, Send, go. Wherever the Spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise along with them because the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. And when the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose to the ground, the wheels rose along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Verse 22. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out towards one another and each had two wings covering its body. And when the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty. Like the tumult of an army, when they stood still, they lowered their wings. Verse 25, we're almost done. You guys all right? Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And high above the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that what appeared to be his waist up looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and heard the voice of one speaking. Woo! Here we go. You ready? Me too. Father, thank you. Come and mess us up with truth. Speak to us out of this incredible passage. May we forever be changed. Eliminate our hearts. Bind demon power. Release your truth, your power, even your glory. May the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity. 
Mark us all, I pray. By the very finger of God, I ask that you'd write on the fleshly tablets of our heart that we'd be transformed because of it. In Jesus' name, we'd be sure to give you all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. We do have notes for you, and uh, if you'd like those, you may be seated. If you'd like those and you haven't received that just yet, uh, you can make the ushers aware, and they'll bring that to you. This is a profound book that we're beginning a journey on, and it's profound, full of revelation, what I believe, for this hour, for this time in history. The thing that gets me about the book is to understand the context in which it is written. Extremely difficult time. Everybody say extremely difficult. Okay, I would venture to say that not many understand the difficulty that Ezekiel is in right here. He said, what are you talking about? Well, he's taken captive and he's brought into captivity. He's one of the first 8,000 that leave and are brought into captivity in Babylon. He has no family that we know of that's with him. He's, uh, he's 30 years old. We'll go to that in just a little bit. But a new, a new power has basically risen. It's the, the Babylonians have built this army. The Assyrians to the north and taken the ten tribes to the north. Now this is just, I'm going to teach you a little bit, all right? Those ten tribes that have been brought into captivity, and uh, they are called the Diaspora, so we don't know where they're at. And Judah's held on. And Ezekiel, along with another Jewish nobleman from a noble family, anybody know who it is? Daniel is brought captive out to Babylon, and uh, Egypt is to the south, and it's an ugly time. Judah was caught, right in your notes now, Judah was caught in the middle of the desire of the Assyrians to retain power, Babylon rising power, and Egypt was also flexing its military muscle. So Judah's caught in the middle of the whole thing. You know, it's amazing to me, I mean, uh, there's so many people that say, well, it's the Bible's written by man, and, and it's really not all that significant. You know what's amazing is, is if you've ever been to Israel, or even if you haven't been to Israel, just go look at a map. I mean, it's the size of Rhode Island. It's the size of Rhode Island, and all the course of human history will come down to this piece of property in the end, size of Rhode Island. And the fact that it actually it's still in history is proof that God's on the throne. That's why the devil would love to wipe out Israel, because if Israel can be eliminated, then, then it's proof that God doesn't exist. But I will tell you that there is no way, first of all, there was no way for it to become a nation again, but the prophets prophesied, and it became a nation, and it is absolutely miraculous. And I will tell you that no matter how many missiles they fire, Israel will continue because God will surround them like the mountains of Psalm 125. God surrounds Israel both now and forevermore, and he's going to protect it. Why? Because it's just, it's, it's his word, it's his people, he's going to take care of them. And he's going to provoke them to jealousy so that they receive Jesus as Messiah. The provoking of the jealousy comes by us Gentiles. Now, not everybody here is a Gentile. If you've if you've got some Jew in you, then you, you might be a completed Jew or Messianic Jew or, you know, uh, but I'm, I, I tried to go see if I had some Jew in me. I was hoping, but I got my DNA test back, and like I said, I'm 10% African-American, and I'm not sure of the rest. It's kind of a joke. I think we're all a, a mixed multitude of people, really. 
So Judah here, they're caught in the middle. And ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar was the victor, and Jerusalem fell to the Babylons for the first time on March 16th, 597. It's history. Uh, at this time, when this is written, the city's not destroyed, or, nor the temple is destroyed. And uh, Ezekiel was part of a priestly family that was the first group to go into exile. So let's, let's look at this text here, and we're going to bring what I believe to be some profound revelation. So you understand what's happening. You understand the background. It's incredibly difficult. I've been through some difficult times, but I've never been made a slave, carried off to another country, lost my entire family, didn't know I was going to live or, 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 or survive. I didn't know any of that and was, and was held captive I, or had any idea that I didn't know where my family was. That, that, that didn't happen to me. And then you can go and look and see basically that he's 30 years old. So not only is he carried off to captivity, so you miss some of this. If you just in a, in a casual, cursory reading, you would miss this. Okay, he's carried off into captivity. Okay, a lot of tension going on in the world. Okay, Judah's caught in the middle. You know, he's from there. All right, he's in Babylon. Well, that's rough. Well, he's 30. Does anybody know what happens to uh, someone from a priestly family at 30 years old? You go into the priesthood at 30, but he's not back home to go into the priesthood, and here he is in captivity, hoping one day that he would go to, I believe, to, to perhaps even work in the temple as a priest. The temple would later be destroyed. It was July 31st, if you figure it out, July 31st, 593 B.C. And Ezekiel is not forgotten by God, because on this day he had revelation of God. On July 31st, 593 God appears to him and it says, I saw a vision. And I love this because no matter what you're going through, no matter how dark or how dank or how seemingly impossible you might feel like you're forgotten, God has not forgotten you. And he knows right where you are. He knows you're rising up. He knows you're setting down. He knows your frame. He knows your family. He knows where you come from. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams. And God appears right to Ezekiel right at this crucial moment of his life. As he's 30 years old, wondering if he'll ever be going into the priesthood and so on and so forth. It says in verse 3, the hand of the Lord was upon him. And he's conscious, but what he sees is hard for him to describe. I believe you, you read that. I read from the, um, I believe the New King James Version. Maybe I read from the NIV. I've forgotten. I'm so sorry. NIV. But if you, if you look, there's a lot of like. It's not so popular now, but I think maybe 10 years ago, you'd hear a conversation from, from high schoolers or younger folks that'd be like, so like I was like, um, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, their whole conversation is filled with like. That's what this text is like. What are you saying? Ezekiel has this vision. He, the hand of the Lord comes upon him and I saw visions and he begins to describe them and as he's describing them he's describing them with with words that that people of his day would understand and as we're reading them we have some understanding oh some of it I have to describe to you so you can clearly understand it, it it's like this if you were to go and visit a, a tribe somewhere that had never seen you know an airplane or never seen some modern invention and you had to go to describe to them what an airplane was like. So you tell them, 
it, you see the bird, see the birds, right? You see the birds, and like, yeah, bird. <whistles> okay, you see the bird. It's kind of like that, but it's not alive, and it has these wings. It's made out of metal. What's metal? Uh, metal. And you begin to describe what metal is like. So as we read this in the text, he's describing this very personal encounter of that God shows to him. And we really just get a, a picture of what it was like. You'll laugh, but the first time I spoke with Dr. Morocco one-on-one, -on -one, you know, other than you know, God bless you, shaking his hand at a door, was I went to a life group, and uh, it was a large life group that was multiplying. We, how many of you know what a life group is? They're also called cell groups or Bible studies, home Bible studies, that kind of thing. And so it was in somebody's home, and there was probably 30 or 40 people there, and they were multiplying. There was another leader that was coming out, and they were going to go into another home, and they were going to plant another life group. And so I was invited to go. I wasn't a part of the life group system at that time. And there was Dr. Morocco. To me, he was like a king, right? So I just, I did everything I could to get my food, to get like weasel next to somebody and sit down next to him. And so I sat next to him. And uh, he asked me who I was, and we're talking back and forth. He was very kind. And then I wanted to ask this question about UFOs. So I said, all right, Dr. Morocco, you know an Ezekiel with a wheel within a wheel? Do you think that's a UFO? And he <laughs> I think he almost laughed, but he didn't. He said, no, no, son, that's a picture of the glory of God which is exactly what the text says at the end. So he's, he's struggling to put into words so that others can really understand what's going on. And God comes to him as wind, right back in your notes, fire, and as a cloud. Verse 4, I looked and saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. Verse 5, and there was fire. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Acts chapter, well, it reminds me of a lot of places in Scripture, but it reminds me, first of all, of Acts chapter 2. And there, at the, after Jesus was crucified and rose again from the grave, they were all assembled in the upper room. On the, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there came a sound of that of a mighty, rushing wind. And then I think back about in, in the beginning, the beginning of time, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. It's a picture of wind moving over, over the waters, the Holy Spirit moving. And I think about how He came as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, a cloud by day and fire by night. It's a picture of the glory. The glory of the Lord is what it's a picture of. And so Ezekiel, he's, he, he's giving this picture and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God coming in and moving in the earth. And Ezekiel sees or calls these beings creatures, but in chapter 10, I think he has kind of a greater understanding as he reflects on it and he refers to them as cherubim. Cherubim. So he sees cherubim, which is one of the ranks of angels. There's cherubim, there's seraphim, there's archangels. Cherubim. 
And uh, verse 6 says, but each of them had four faces. So he begins to describe these cherubim, these angelic creatures. Each of them had four faces, four wings, hands under the wings. They had straight legs. They had kind of calves' feet, hooves as their feet. And, and there's, there's many different scholars that try to take this, this, these verses of Scripture, and you can go read all kinds of commentaries on it. My challenge, the challenge I have, see, I'm not just into teaching you something. Can I, can I just step away for a second? I'm teaching you. I'm hope, hopefully you're learning. I'm learning, you're learning, hopefully we're learning. But if we just have a little lecture and we go home, then we can just say that we learned a little bit about Ezekiel chapter 1. It is never my goal here. It might be the goal somewhere else, but it isn't here. And I'll tell you why. If all you do is just learn knowledge, but you don't learn to apply it to your life, then that'll just serve to make you a religious person, and we have enough of that. We need people that can actually take the Word of God, living and active, bring it in, allow for the Holy Spirit to activate that in their hearts and, and, and release it in their own lives so that it can actually make a difference. See, so it, it means something when you take all of that. If I didn't bring, if I didn't bring the application, it, maybe it wouldn't come as home to you as it did. I could feel it in the beginning. Difficult time, brought into slavery, lost his family, 30 years old. He's not going to be a priest now because he's by the river and he's in chains. You know, he's not in chains, but I mean, he's a prisoner. And, and so now, now what? Now God reveals himself in the middle of difficult circumstances. God can show up right in the middle of your world and speak to you. Why? Because he hasn't forgotten about you. So that's the application. You don't just take it and go, yeah, he was alone. No, I mean, make it home. Anybody ever felt alone? You ever felt abandoned? You ever felt like you didn't know how you're going to make it? Come on, you ever felt like that? You ever felt like, oh my, I, I don't know, I can't find my way out of a paper bag right now. I'm in trouble. God sees you, and he'll release revelation to you and strengthen you because he cares for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Preaching puts the skeleton together. Puts maybe skin on it. Preaching brings life and makes that thing walk. The face of a man. That declares dignity and majesty. So where do you get that? Well, man is made in the image of God. So you can use that to bring application of what, what's that about. Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. I have done some study. The thing is, you don't want to come up with an interpretation of what's being said that contradicts Scripture in other places, because God's Word doesn't contradict itself, you understand. You go, well, I don't think it means that. I think, listen. <laughs> it has to fit in the whole of the canon of Scripture, you understand. Okay, so the man is a picture of dignity, picture of majesty, the face of a lion. Think about what does a lion think about? What do you think about? How about the lion of the tribe of Bam, right? So you think about that. What else do you think about when you hear about a lion? When you think about a lion? Strength. You think king, sure. You think, you think uh, uh, power, ferocity, royalty. Face of an ox. is An ox is a picture of prosperity. You get these things from Scripture, these definitions. The face of an eagle. What's an eagle? Swift, stately. You know what's interesting is these four, term, these four terms have been used to uh, describe the four Gospels. Did you know that? So Matthew is the Gospel of King, and John is the Eagle. 
it's just interesting. The cherubim expressed in a picture in picture form the omnipotence. Everybody say omnipotence. Omnipotence, which is all-powerful. So to be omnipotent is all-powerful. So these cherubim are expressing this picture of God's omnipotence. He's all-powerful. Come on, how many of you know that? And he's omniscient. That means all-knowing, that he knows everything. The all-knowing aspect of God. This picture is their, the ability to know all. And what's interesting is their movement. Now, I love this. They move, their movement is not because of their wings. Did you see this in verse 12 and verse 21? Let me read verse 12 to you. Each one went straight ahead wherever the Spirit would go. I, I had you read that. Each one went straight ahead wherever the Spirit would go without turning as they went. So if I'm going to walk, I put one foot in front of the other. Right? I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm walking. That's not what's happening here. It's not they're flying and they decide they change the angle of their wings and they turn and they can, that's not what's happening. They're doing their cherubim thing, touching each other's wings, covering each other, and they're moved by the Spirit regardless of what their wings are doing. That's interesting to me. It's, a, it's really, to me, a picture, and we'll get to the full application here tonight. It's really a picture of the Holy Spirit moving us along and moving creation along and having His will and having His way. It's, it's a beautiful picture, movement by by the Spirit, not by wings, not by the wheels, but by the Holy Spirit. And the wheels within a wheel with jewels all around. Now this word is interesting. I want you to turn to Psalm 18, if you like, if you care, Psalm 18, if you care to. And uh, it, says, it says eyes, but instead of eyes, the real word here is for jewels that are in a, paper, a shape of an eye. Uh, and it's, it's this picture of a chariot of fire. Psalm 18, verse 8, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon the cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy round him was dark and waters and thick clouds of skies. Verse 12 of Psalm 18. From the brightness before him, his sick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven. See, we don't really understand about God's glory at all. I'm just telling you. We don't. So why would you choose to, to, to look at this book? Because if you could get a revelation like the revelation Ezekiel had, you will never go back like a dog to the vomit again. If you, if you can encounter his glory, his power, his presence, you will be forever marked. I was asked recently by someone who said, how is it that you keep your, how do you stay on fire? And man, I, I had to reflect about that because it's been just sort of automatic for me in my life. And I've, I've done a, a survey of people who have stayed on fire for years and uncompromisingly serving God. And, you know, we, we just have today. You know, you don't have tomorrow, you have today. And if you're not more on fire today than you were yesterday, you started your backslide. 
for me and for many here, you've been touched by God in such a way that it's impossible to go back. You just, it's, you just can't go back. To what? What would you go back to? You know, it's like having a regular candy bar and then having a Zagnut bar. You know what I'm talking about? A sound is described here. Many waters. The voice of the Lord, voice, a voice of El Shaddai, thunder. You see the same thing in Exodus 19, verse 16. The sound of a ar- tumult, an army. Wow. Glory has a sound. And there's this crystal platform that angels seem to hold up on it, and it's this throne made of lapis lazuli, which is, how many of you know what lapis is? It's a stone. Is it actually stone? We don't know, because it's like. We don't know. I mean, maybe it is. Lapis lazuli, the throne is glowing. There's this glowing figure, a man. A man is glowing. Verse 27. Whoa, this is getting kind of creepy now, Pastor. Yeah, well, it's supernatural. And you try to describe the supernatural things with the, the natural, and you end up saying like a lot, and it doesn't quite get it. Verse 27, I saw what appeared to be his waist up. He looked like glowing metal. Anybody ever seen that before? As if full of fire. Oh. And then from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow. Clouds of a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. I believe that God is speaking to us, and so let me bring the application to you. In the midst of your problems, you can experience His glory. I'm going to tell you something. I don't really care for problems. I don't like them. I don't want them. But man, I will tell you, I love what they do for me. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, people pray, oh, I want to experience the power of your resurrection. They usually forget the next verse, which is in the fellowship of His sufferings. So you can't have resurrection power unless you have death. I mean, there's no resurrection without death. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! I want your power. Die. <laughs> I don't mean like real death, but I mean it's death to your agenda, death to your ego, death to maybe your flesh, to, to the things that, of the world, certainly. God wants you to experience him. He wants you to experience his glory. The, the word glory in the Hebrew here is kabod. Anybody remember the 60s or 70s? You might not have been born back then, but you, you might have heard the terminology. Wow, man, that's heavy. And they would say that over something that was weighty or something that was serious or something that was profound. Yes, that is the meaning of the word. Kabod means Heavy, man. Splendor. I 
had a pretty regular Christian walk. Compromise. You know what I mean by regular? I mean like the new definition of regular, which is signs, wonders, miracles, intimacy, loving God, walking in power. That's the new regular. But way back prior to uh, an encounter with the Lord where I experienced his glory to a measure, um, I, I had regular compromise. I mean, I would just, you know, half-stepping, riding the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. But in 1995, we had a guest speaker come to our church. And for a whole week, the power of God came down and just changed everyone in the place. And, and the same thing that happened when Jesus was crucified, one man said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and the other guy was picking his nose and had no experience of the Messiah who was going to make way, be the gate, be the way maker, be the entrance into heaven, the propitiation for his sin, said, oh, if you're the son of God, pull yourself off the cross. So literally, here's Jesus hanging on the cross, two thieves on either side, one went to glory and the other one went to hell by everything we understand from the gospels. I see the same thing in services. I see people so hungry, so desperate, so broken. They just break in half and God touches them, changes them, speaks to them. They're the ones that are constantly having miracle breakthrough, miracle healing. All of a sudden they're finding a check in the mail or God's just breathing on them. The depression's leaving and they've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, they're going through stuff, but then they're at the altar maybe. Or they're, you know, wee tears coming down their face. They always seem to be the ones that, that prophets are pulling out and prophets prophesying over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How come they always are the ones that are getting the prophetic? Why? Because they're hungry for God. Hunger will bring the power of heaven to you. If you're apathetic, you will get nothing. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. God's not obligated to touch you because you showed up to church on Wednesday night. Good for you. I'm glad you did. It doesn't mean he's going to touch you. He speaks in parables to hide truth from a casual observer. So there's people that will come to church just because, well, they're fulfilling a religious obligation. And other folks will come because, oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, my family needs you. Lord, won't you speak to me tonight? And I'm going to tell you there's a big difference. And I believe that Ezekiel was positioned in a place of brokenness in the midst of losing everything. Maybe it was just before Christmas and he didn't have his family. I know there's no Christmas and he's a Jew. Come on. Come on. Jesus wasn't born at Christmas either. Do you understand? I believe that deep down there was a brokenness about him and God said, no, I remember you and I remember your call to the priesthood. I remember your call to called to serve me with all your heart. And he came down and he broke through the, the veil, if you will, and he touched him and he put, he put his hand on him and he began to show him the glory of God. I'm telling you, whatever you've encountered in God is nothing but a drop. It's nothing but a little sprinkle. All of us can go deeper in God. All of us can get hungry and thirsty. There's another place of glory that he wants to come to, but he's not going to come just you because you came to church. Because you look cute. We all look cute. Come on, look at your cute neighbor. Come on, tell him. I'm not down on you. I'm just trying to give you a shove. Give you a push. I'm pushing myself too. When you experience God's glory, now I think there's all kinds of measures. 
I think if you experience, you, know, you can't experience the fullness of the glory until you have a glorified body because you'll get smoked and be crispy crittered if you showed up for real, for full, full power. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, where is everybody's ash on the ground? Oh, we had a move of God, all right. Well, that was a move of God. We're all in heaven high-fiving. Yes, that was awesome. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be running around in heaven. Whoa, the glory, the glory, the glory. Yeah, that's the full touch. And here, I don't know. I know that hunger and desperation release God's power and glory. I know that. You know, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the beginning. What do you mean that's the beginning? Well, that's enough to get to heaven, but if you were supposed to just to go there, you'd drop dead, sir. Instantaneously, after you prayed the sinner's prayer, there would be a thud, thud. What oh, he got saved, yeah. Whoa. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I mean, if it was that way, then God would have to get pastors, and they would really be pagans who would be preaching the truth, and then people would get saved, and they, you know, the pastor would wait for somebody else. And I, I, That's not the way it is, though. And the way that it is is you give your life to Jesus, you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you're saved. You believe that he died on a cross, and he rose again from the grave, and you confess your sins to him, and, and he comes to live in the inside of you. He comes to make up his home on the inside of you. But if that was all that there would be, then that would be the moment that your heart stops and your carcass hits the floor and you go straight to the throne. That's it. You go straight to heaven. But that's not how it is. So he saves us. Why? So we can be his representatives in the earth. And I am very mindful that that is the beginning. Get saved. Get saved. Stay saved. But understand, that's the beginning of your glory journey. He comes to live on the inside. Then you got filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you right now, you need the power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and all the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not ashamed to tell you. You'll hear it over and over. I'll teach on the baptism of the Spirit. I'll lay hands on you and pray for the baptism of the Spirit. you got to get hungry and thirsty. You need the fire. You need the power. But then God will bring us into experiences. In 1995, I, I, I've been baptized in the Spirit already. And I came into that service. It was a Monday. I was going to another church with another group of people. And we came, we heard about these meetings. And we came on a Monday. And the power of God hit that place on Monday. In actual fact, they showed a video with a VHS video player. Put the projector in the middle of a church that held about 1,000, 1,200 people on the floor and blasted it up on a screen and turned all the lights out. And it was a service, and it's called the night when angels sang. You were there. That's right. You were actually at the church. You were both there. In Lakeland, Florida. With all those 90 colors in the background. Come here, Edna. Mayor Edna. Is this all right? Can you just share with for a second? So, um, Rodney Howard Brown was the speaker. What was that like for you? 
<laughs> oh, it, at, at that time, I think Lakeland, the Assembly of God in Lakeland was probably the largest church. Oh, yeah. It was the mega church in the United States, I think, at that That's time. Right. Yeah. And it just, we were up in the balcony, and it just mist and clouds all over, and um, you, you just heard this sound that you knew you had never heard before, and you were trying to place it, and yet you were so overcome with the presence of God, and you were trying to get your physical voice to blend in with it, and you were stretching, but ne yet you weren't shrieking, you know? Anybody that sings, you know, you will try to stretch your voice to get up to that range. And uh, it just, well, I was like in a cloud. It that was it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. What, what, what was the difference before your, I mean, you knew Jesus when you went there. Right. And when you left, what, what would you say is the difference? Well, at that time, we were traveling with Debbie Kyle. Right. And uh, so we had been, you know, in Rodney's in the early 90s in Anchorage. And so it was just like it was being elevated more and more and more. And um, you just, you realize that there is such more levels for us to go in God. That it is, you just hunger and you just thirst. And you just say, God, I will just give it to you, and I'll give it all to you, and just take me wherever you want me to go, and to where, and to do whatever you want me to do, no matter what, Lord, no matter what it looks like to the world, Lord, or whether the world thinks it's acceptable or not, that you are willing to lay that down, and. You all know if we went down to Fred Meyer now and said we sang with the angels, they probably you would hear some red lights coming to get you. And yet you experience that and you know that that is just even a touch of what is possible there. And you just want more and more and more. And just like Pastor said tonight, you know, it's, it's your hunger, and we, I think, well, at least for myself, you ebb and flow in that, but all the time you're reaching to go higher and higher and higher, and as you are just changed and cleansed, and just like what you also, Pastor, said, you know, what would you go back to? I mean, you just, you know, you just don't want to go back to there, even, even a half a step back. You don't want to take that half a step back. You just want to keep going and going, and you're just changed continually. Your desires change. Your attitude changes. Your love for people changes, and just, it's indescribable. She said a, a mist, cloud, I mean, if you've ever been out at the, at the beach or down by the dock or by the water and you see a you know, cloud move in or mist move in or drive over the, the river and you go into, into fog. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay, it's like that. It's like that. 
And you say, well, I've never seen that. Well, you don't have to. But, but it does happen. And there's experiences in God with a manifestation of his glory that'll move you from being a carnal Christian. It, it changes you. His power, his presence will change you. He said, well, I've never had an experience like that. Well, you know, you'll, you don't worry about, you don't ever seek an angel. Listen to me. Listen. Listen to your pastor. Don't seek angelic encounters. That's a big mistake. You seek God. You love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You develop a prayer life. But, and then you just might get caught up with some mist cloud angelic experience, but certainly don't go after the angel. That's We don't worship angels. We don't worship the encounter. We worship the one who brings them. And there's so many people that are looking for the next piece of wind that's going to come by, and their life is like, like wind. And I'm not talking about the wind of God either. That was hysterical, and none of you guys caught it. You know what I'm talking about. They've got no character, no integrity, which brings me to my next point. Holiness. It's these angels, these cherubim, and you know, we could go on, we could go on and on and push things thing over into, into some encounter. Can you come on the keyboards, um, Minister Michael, please? But I want you to get the rest of this. I'm not sure where the Holy Spirit will go. There, there is a mistake, though, I, I want you to understand this in Christendom, that says the gifts of the Spirit operate sovereignly as the Spirit wills. That is Scripture, and that is true. However, we've found this, that the Spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And many times God wants to touch people, but because we're looking for a fish to do a triple gainer and land without a splash, and if that doesn't happen, then God's not going to move, then that's ridiculous. He, he was crucified, he rose again, and you can come boldly before his throne. I mean, if you're before his throne in the rainbow sardius sea of glass, man, what could happen by faith? One of the things you want to get from this, first of all, read the whole book of Ezekiel. Read it a couple times through. We're going to be getting into it a little bit. But ask God to give you a fresh revelation of His, of His, of His glory. His holiness, that's number two. Wings that clothe themselves. So it's interesting to me that the wings of these cherubim didn't, they, they didn't leave themselves exposed. It's, it's, it's really a picture of being covered. I was talking to a brother yesterday. And uh, we were talking about, about the dark night of the soul. That's an old, that's an old term used in a bygone generation dark night of the soul and it comes I think from a, a, a poem it, it's the moment in the life of a Christian or you could say non-Christian too but specifically in application in the life of a believer when you get to the place when all the chips are down and there's no hope 
there's no way in the natural that you're going to make it. And all of your hope just drains out. And it's at that time that many people fall away. And what I mean by fall away, I don't mean stumble like Peter. Peter stumbled and came back to the Lord. I'm not talking about stumbling. I'm talking about a lifetime fall away. A lifetime fall away. In other words, don't serve God, reject Him, turn from Him, and, and end up in a place that they never should be. This, and so I'm just doing a little bit of survey and asking. So I was talking to this one brother, and he was telling me, well, for me, I remember when I didn't, I didn't really have a covering. You don't hear that taught too much anymore. What are you, what are you saying? I'm, I'm saying this, that when, when you become part of a covenant community, as we are here at KC, now maybe you're visiting and you're from another church, and we welcome visitors, and if you go to another church, I'm so blessed you do. You're committed, you go there, but you make sure you go there. Go there, tithe, serve, pray for your pastor, lift up your leaders. Now, if you're just church hopping, and you just kind of bounce around, I think that's okay until you find the place that God would lead you to, and then when you go, then you, you go, you tithe, you serve, you pray for the pastor, you get involved in leadership, and you do everything you can to see that vision move forward, right? I believe very strongly in covenant relationships. And I believe in being part of a church. And I don't mean the church, universal. I'm, anybody that says, oh, I just, this is my, all my church, I just go, they, they have no revelation of a submission to authority. And they have no idea of what I'm talking about now about a covering. I'm not talking about somebody controlling you. I'm talking about being part of this, this, this canopy of anointing. You know what a canopy is? It protects you from rain. It protects you from wind. It, there's something about having a covering. So he's talking about how he didn't have that kind of covering and how he has it now at this place. And I thought, man, I need to preach that. I, I'm not preaching it now. I'm just referencing it. You see, there's blessing that will come on your life simply because you're part of the vision of King's Chapel. You say, really? Oh, yeah, I could give you endless. You say, that, that's kind of, that sounds kind of arrogant. Goodness and mercy follow us everywhere we go. It's on our faults, the scriptures. We're blessed. We're the head, we're not the tail. We're the lender, not the borrower. How'd you get all the money to build that? I got all the money to build a building. I got a whole lot more, too. The Lord has it. I mean, he's holding his cattle on a thing. I don't know. He traded in a couple cattle and hooked us up. He's going to hook us up for the rest of it, too. Come on. He just owns it all. And I'm his, I'm his son. You're his, you're his son. You're his daughter. We're his favorite ones. We're in covenant community with him and with each other. We pray. We fast. We believe. We believe the word. And God shows up. God manifests his power. He comes. But holiness is a big deal. And some people think that they can have the glory without holiness. Listen, holiness, no man will see the Lord without holiness. He's been, I, I'm, I'm not talking to anybody specifically. He's been dealing with you. He's got his finger on your heart and he's telling you, now that's enough. Now stop. Stop it. Stop, come all the way in. Repent. Get right. Do what you're supposed to do. You say, the Lord doesn't talk like that. Are you kidding me? Those whom the Lord loves, He chastises. Come on. If you've not been chastised by God lately, you might be illegitimate. There's another word for that, but people would be offended if I said it. Oh, the Lord will, He loves you. So be like, ah, ah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what did you say again? Oh, right, right. 
God's putting his finger in some of your lives. You want, you want the glory. You want the kabod. You want the heavy, man. You want the glory, but you don't want to do the holiness thing. Well, he's not winking at sin. He doesn't wink at sin. He sent his son to die. That's not funny. That's not funny. And yet we take it for granted. He's sovereign. Look at your notes. I'm almost done. He's his sovereignty. He just moves these beings. The Spirit moves them. The Spirit moves them. He sovereignly moves them around. Sovereign, the sovereign Lord. He does what he wants, when he wants to, whoever he wants to. Sovereignty. He's the king. One preacher said it this way. You might, you might uh, remember this. He's either the Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. Lord means everything and if you were anything like me in my early walk with Jesus well, I had some stuff I was holding back I love you Lord I love you but you know my heart right so I just go hold on to this over here but I love you Lord I love you you know it's like I worship you what's under your coat nothing what is that what I love Jesus One of the things that's amazing to me about Ezekiel, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up. When God revealed himself to Ezekiel, why? So he could reveal himself to others through Ezekiel. You know what God wants to do with you? He wants to reveal himself to you so you can reveal yourself to others. We call that euangelium in the Greek, evangelism. God's with us in the midst of our distress. Can you say Hallelujah. God's with us in the midst of our distress. Ezekiel in Babylon. Come on, God is bigger than the God of Marduk, the God of the Babylonians. So here he is, a prisoner, taken captive. The God of that whole re region is Marduk, who they worshipped. And God broke in and gave him a vision. You don't know where I live. There's, it's demonic activity. Man, you serve Almighty God. Why don't you... Why don't you just take care of some of those demonic activities? Just begin to rise in a new authority, new power. Understand that he's, he's able to do it for you. Come on, take your little fingers like this. Take it. Come on. It's called a flick. It is. In Jesus' name. You can't, you can't forget that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And not like ah, 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 in, the, in the name of Je in the name resurrection power okay I'm not gonna do that again all right just in case I'm gonna put that up on your insta story look at D it's not just the call of God it's knowing him and through all of these things this life that you're living this momentary light affliction that you're going through this life this this vapor soon come to an end we have one brief one brief moment in time 
don't know what happened in the last 15 years. Now, some of you that are younger than me, you have no idea. If you're either older, you know full on what I'm talking about. I, I blinked, and my kids grew up, my kids in college. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Because I know it's like, blink again, and we're at the next stage. And I welcome all of that, but I, I don't want to miss what he's got for me to do. He said, aren't you doing it, Pastor? I am with all that's within me, with the, with the power that works so mightily in me, as the Apostle Paul says. I am. I believe I am. And the Lord, if I'm not, if i got to correct something, will you show me? All right, I deal. The call comes to us all. But you've got to know Him. Lift your hands all across this place. greatest days are yet ahead these are the days no you're rising up no you're setting down I call you I call you by name you're my beloved I choose you I select you I call to you Come, come away with me. Come away with me, my beloved. Push yourself away from the things of time and tradition. Oh, why do you spend your money on that which is not satisfied? Oh, come and buy from me gold refined to the fire. I want to show you things. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. difficulty in your struggle if you would but to call upon me I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not for I am the Lord and there is no other I am God and God alone and I call to you to come up higher I'll not leave you and I will not forsake you I'm with you in the storm. I'm with you in the wilderness. Come out onto the water and walk with me. Get out of the boat. I bid you to come, says the Lord. I bid you to come away. Come away. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Call upon me in this hour. I'm coming with my fire. I'm coming with my wind. I'm coming by my power. That your faith would not be in the eloquence of man. Would not be in religion and tradition. But in the demonstration of my glory. In the midst of this generation. For the blind will see. And the deaf will hear. The lame will walk again and will leap like a calf released from the stall. Call upon me, for I am well able and I am willing. I'm as near as the words in your mouth. I am an ever-present help in time of trouble. I am your sun and shield. 
Push yourself away from that which does not satisfy from religion and tradition and looking for the pat on the back of the accolades of man. Push yourself away from those things and be embraced once again. Return to your first love, says the Lord. Return to me. Return to me. Call upon me and I will come with fresh fire and fresh wind. These are the days. These are the days. This is the time. This is the hour, my beloved, of great signs and wonders and miracles. I'm pouring out my spirit. I'm pouring out my spirit. I'm pouring out a I'm pouring out my spirit. I'm pouring out my spirit, says the Lord. I'm pouring out my spirit, says the Lord. I'm pouring out my spirit on your children tonight, on your daughters tonight, on your sons tonight.
you fall in love with God. It transcends the Ten Commandments. You'll just do them. You'll, you'll just obey them because they Oh, you stumble and you repent. You live a lifestyle of repentance. And of course, you, you can't be righteous fully be, without the blood. You need the blood. But it, it, it comes, it changes your walk from having to do the one through ten to just doing the one. Just loving Him with all His mind, with, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. See, if you get that, you will love your neighbor by yourself. You're certainly not going to covet your neighbor's wife, and you're not going to steal and murder. You're not going to commit adultery. If you're loving God with all your heart, you don't do any of that stuff. Did you get it? In the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of the challenge of organizing things for Christmas and who sits where and what you do, don't ever forget. It's about Him. It's about the Lord. The glory of the Lord shine round about them. The angels bowed before Him. The glory. The glory. The glory of the Lord. It's not just the call. It's, it's knowing the one who calls. You can get so busy doing God's work that you miss actually knowing him. I don't ever want to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, I implore you and I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to him. Your sin is like, like scarlet, but he will wash it and make it as white as snow, as it says in Isaiah. Though your sins be crimson, red like blood, he'll make them as white as wool if you'll call on him. Haven't you had enough? Reject the world, reject your sin, reject all of that and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do it. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. You want to be included in this prayer. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you lift your hand high all across this place? God bless you. Thank you for your honesty online, perhaps. Let's pray this right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And thank you that Jesus rose again on the third day. So raise my life up now. Give me a new life. Write my name in your book in heaven. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you fill, you touch. I pray that you would ruin, ruin each and everyone's crutch that they might have of religion. If there be anything in any of us that's robbing us from experiencing your glory, would you reveal that and help us to tear it down?
We're asking, as David said. Now, if you don't agree with this prayer, then just say, well, I don't agree. You know, say it under your breath so no one's offended. With David, I pray, and those that agree, reveal your judgments, God, for your judgments, Lord, in my life that I might become more like you. Full of fire, full of zeal, full of passion, full of joy, full of hope, full of miracles, signs and wonders. I want to know you. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection. We want to know you. As Moses cried out in the cave, show me your glory. I cry out again, God, I've heard the prophetic words over this house. It'll be a house of your glory. The glory of this house will be greater than that of the former. God, I cry out as Moses cried out, show us your glory. Show us your glory, God. Mark us with your glory. Show us your glory. Lord, may we do our part. You can only do yours. We have to do ours. God, show us your glory. Lord, help us to kill off anything that's not of you in our lives, in our theology. Anything that's out of accord in this house, I pray that you would expose it. Expose anything that holds back your glory. Expose any religious spirit, any spirit of control. Expose anything that would hold back the manifest kabod of God, the glory of God, not just here, but in our homes. That there'd be like a glory bomb that would be dropped on the valley. Show us your glory. Reveal your glory. May we never be the same or take you for granted. You'd help us to live in holiness and purity by the blood and by the power of your name. The power of the resurrection. Oh God, that we would know you. We thank you.